If you'd like to make your NFL games a little more interesting, you've come to the right place. It's the Even Money Podcast with Ross Tucker and Steve Fezzik. Yeah, Vegas, baby, Vegas. It is the Even Money Podcast. And of course, is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I am a little bit under the weather. It's really just my voice. So I'll be a little bit more reserved than usual. However, very excited about the Super Bowl. Steve and I broke even. I think this might be my third straight week breaking even for the week. I I really think maybe Jack, our producer, can check on this. I think every playoff weekend, I broke even. Not sure about Steve. We'll get into that momentarily. I am Ross Tucker. Most of you know that. Former NFL offensive lineman. Five teams. Seven years. And you can check me out on social media. At Ross Tucker NFL. I'm kind of on all of them. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, even TikTok. Ross Tucker Pod is where we post the clips of the best show. The the best clips of each of the shows. Ross Tucker Football Podcast, where my voice was really bad, by the way, this morning, as well as Fantasy Feast, which more of you should listen to because Joe Dolan's awesome, and he references the lines and prop bets and stuff like that a lot. College Draft Podcast, which is very helpful for betting on the NFL draft and betting on college football. So you can see the highlight clips of all of those if you follow Ross Tucker Pod. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or if you just go to our YouTube, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL, where more and more people go to actually watch this show. They like to see Steve's facial expressions when he's making a snide comment. Steve, of course, is the one and only Steve Fezzik at Fezzik Sports and only at Fezzik Sports or at pregame.com. Steve does not have his own website. Steve, Championship Sunday was interesting. Um, you know, I'm I'm annoyed because I think we, we had the right bets and Purdy getting hurt just killed our, our Niners teaser. Yeah, teasers have been very good to us, but obviously we were drawing dead early in that game. And I'll go back. I will often talk about live wagering, not something that we can – you know, give out plays on the podcast. But if you were live wagering that Eagles game, you won. You won. It's as simple as that. I refuse to believe there's anyone. If if you lost live wagering, you got to contact me and we have to talk because as soon as Purdy got injured and Josh Johnson came in or Purdy came back in or Kyle Jusick was getting ready to be quarterback, what possibly would have motivated you to place the bet on the uh, San Francisco 49ers with no offense in that game. Um, you, you should have been betting Eagles. You should have been betting under. I know I'm past posting. I apologize for that. Anyone who wants to see my accounts, I'd be more than happy to share with you the bets I was actually making, which were all under and Eagles. Um, tell me, what were the lines during the game, Steve? Obviously, I was on the sideline. What were the games and what bets were you placing? Like, They had to be astronomical lines, astronomical odds. And what did you just keep firing as much as you could? Yeah, so with the initial Purdy injury, there was a huge disparity between books. And this was actually unfortunate in some ways. I saw anywhere from minus four and a half to minus eight on the Eagles. 
So I've grabbed some minus four and a half, minus five, et cetera. And there's uncertainty. We don't know if Purdy's coming back. We don't know the fact that he's got this Tommy John type injury and he really isn't going to be able to throw the ball the rest of the game. So because of that, we couldn't be certain. But uh, really throughout the game, there was uncertainty associated with the um, the availability of Purdy. And then he he did come back and then it was obvious he couldn't throw the ball at all. And second half, for instance, the Eagles were up 14. And the line was still pick them. There was a little extra vig associated with the Eagles. Ross. I mean, the Eagles won 10-0, and I think that was a very representative of if they replayed that. If we got into our time machine and we replayed that second half, I think the Eagles win 10-0 again. I mean, I just think the Niners were not going to be able to score. That is really interesting. Yeah. Um you know, we'll talk about it in coming weeks, like micro betting. I don't know how much of that you do, Steve. Like you can bet on like a certain drive. Man, you could have crushed it on the Niners when it was clear that Purdy couldn't throw. You you could have crushed it on some of those drives on like the micro betting, what's going to happen on this next drive or like do they go three and out or do they score any of that stuff? The biggest problem with the micro betting and the live betting is that you have to bet it during the commercial break because when you're watching it on high definition, you are literally a good 50 seconds behind what's actually happening happening in real time, such that you, there's just no time to put in bets. You know, what will the next play be? Will it be successful or not? But you nailed it, Ross. There are prop bets. DraftKings puts those up, flash props, you know, Will a team cross midfield? Will they cross the 20-yard line? Well, the 49ers weren't going to cross anything except for maybe their own goal line with that offense that they had in the game. How do you feel about us getting the Niners at eight and a half on the teaser if Purdy hadn't gotten hurt? You know, it's a great question. I don't think we saw enough data. I think the game was done, though you know, five minutes in. So I think the Niner defense played well enough. The Eagles got less than four yards per play. Some will say, well, they knew they didn't have to do anything. As long as they didn't turn it over, they were going to win. And there's some merit to that. But I think it was, I think the Niners hung in the game. And it's really hard to win when you, with your fourth string quarterback, it's even harder to win with no quarterback. Um, I was okay with it. I mean, I'm not, going to endorse it more after my team gets blasted but um it um we just didn't get to see the Niners we saw a completely different team so here's what we're going to do today um we'll go over all of our bets for last week like we normally do for the Super Bowl we're going to look at the line and the total we won't place our official bets unless Steve wants to but we'll give you what we're thinking there and then next week is when we dive into a lot of the props that Steve typically does very, very well on as it relates to the Super Bowl. Certain props that Steve hits every year. So we'll get to those. That's more next week's conversation. And we'll get to some of your email questions as well, which I know you guys really enjoy. So, by the way, for the week, we both were uh, we both were even. We both bet four units and we... Um, we're totally even. So for the year, um, I am still up 40 units. You are up eight units. Uh, we were one and one on our best bets. 
So for the year, we are 24 and 18 on our best bets, which is a 57% strike rate. Probably a week or two after the season, we'll have grades come on. Our Australian grading sensation, who has all of the information on how we do against the line, how we do picking winners, favorites, dogs, pick them, teasers, home, road. He's got it all. He posts it, by the way, at patreon.com slash RT Media. For those of you that become a Tuckheads member, he posts on the Even Money thread of our private Slack channel. So I know a lot of people like to see the data in black and white rather than writing stuff down, especially next week when Steve drops all the prop bets. Patreon.com slash RT Media. So we had the teaser, Steve, and um, we took the Niners up to eight and a half, the Chiefs up to eight. Obviously, the Chiefs was a great call. They won outright. And the Niners, uh, we already talked about that portion of it, which was unfortunate. You know, that Chiefs line movement, Steve, I don't know that since we've been doing this, I can never remember that, where it swung that much back and forth. Yeah, so the Chiefs started out at minus three. Flurry of Bengal money. By the way, Ross, I don't know if you picked up on this, but I, on, I we talked about in the podcast. I talked about how I missed the Bengals plus three bet at open because I got the message back. All oh, the line's two and a half now, and I never do this, and I bought the half point up to three and a half. So I actually stole a big wager because I said I'm not going to let the Bengals land on three here and me lose my bet. So that was fortunate for me. But all the money on the Bengals, Bengals went all the way up to minus two, and that was a bridge too far. That was at the point that the practice reports are like, Mahomes looks pretty good. He looks all right. This high ankle sprain stuff is not applying. Um, he's able to move around, and then we saw it swing all the way back, all the money on the Chiefs from midweek on. Chiefs wind up closing minus two, the two-point favorite. I got to tell you, if they replay the game, I think you could make a case it should have been Pickham. It could have gone either way, all the way down to the final drive where, um, you know, the Bengals, are there are there six refs on the field, Ross? Uh, more than that. Are there seven? So let's say there are seven. So the, the Bengals kind of had to play 11 against 18, it turned out, because seemingly every close call, I don't think any of them were wrong, but it was like there was four coin flip calls on, you know, was it um, intentional grounding? Was there a holding call on the punt return, et cetera? And they just all went against the Bengals. And ultimately, that was too much to overcome. Um, kudos to Mahomes and company. And I do think the final roughing the passer was the correct call um, on the final drive. But um, the Chiefs wind up victorious, but it could have gone either way. I think Pickham was the right line on the game. Um, we did have a best bet on that game, uh, an additional one. And it was the Chiefs team total under 23 and a half. How about that, Steve? Two units under 23 and a half. They got to 23 with the game-winning field goal. We talk about it all the time. The number matters. That half a point matters. When it was 20 to 13 in 2020, I was pretty nervous. But um, if, if you would have told me Mahomes would play that well, there's no way I would have taken the under 23 and a half. I, I was not expecting him to play that well. 
but it hit for us anyway. Yeah, we got lucky. Uh, Mahomes was healthier than we expected. And the bottom line is, I think we won because all of his targets got injured. So he didn't have anybody to go to. Kelsey was ineffective fourth quarter. Um, Juju was out. Um, two other wide receivers were out, Hardman. Um, how many times can you throw to, to, to Valdez Scanling and Pacheco? That was literally the only two guys left as options. And Kansas City did have a 100-yard yardage um, uh, pl- on the plus side at the end of the first quarter, and then the game turned. And I think a big part of that was all the injuries to the uh, Chiefs receivers. But now they got two weeks to get better. I would expect all those guys will probably play. I would agree. We, we will find out. Um, all right, so I went over everything for those games, um, which I thought was interesting. Um, you know, we say it all the time, Steve, but if you're even, if you're breaking even for a weekend, you're really losing. Oh, no question. And, we, you know, with the extra VIG, and we just track how we do with our bets, you know, without, you know, tracking it with the VIG. But uh, we have to wind up ahead because, obviously, we're paying VIG on, on our losers um, the very best pro betters you hear all the time, people like, oh, strive to hit 60%. But the truth is, Ross, you just had a home run year. You're up 40 units. So to put that in perspective, pros strive for 55%. They want to, it's like Sammy Hagar. I need to drive 55. I got one foot on the brake. I got one foot on the gas. I can't get out of second gear. I got to get to 55 to get out of LA. And if you can hit 55%, your ROI, return on investment, is like 5% on what you're wagering. You can make a tremendous living just uh, with a 3% ROI. You get to 5%. You're living on a golf course. Life is good. <laughs> you know, 5% return on investment doesn't sound that great. Like compared to like the stock market and stuff like that. Well, it's a 5% return on investment instantaneously over a three-hour period, not a one-year annual period. So 5% compounded daily sounds a whole lot better. I, not that you're going to put your whole bankroll at risk on any one day, but um, you could if you were um, if you're live betting all day long on a Saturday. I'll be as far as to say, you know, if you, if you have $100,000, you know what you're doing, and you're really active in all the markets, and you got tons of outs, it's not unusual that you would bet up as a pro of the pros. I know that they'd wind up betting a hundred thousand in a day. Wow. Yep. And you're right about the compound part of it. I wasn't thinking about that part of it. Um, quick, quick uh, note. The two best Valentine's day gifts I can think of for you guys, a story all about your significant other at myfrontpagestory.com. Looks like it's on the cover of the newspaper. It's beautiful. She will love it. Trust me, myfrontpagestory.com. Or how about getting um, uh, your bathroom remodeled? She would love that. At least get the free consultation, westshorehome.com slash Ross. All right, Steve, there's also been a decent amount of movement on the Super Bowl betting line so far. Take us through it. So I'm ready to rock on the openers. It is um, early Sunday, and a few books start to put their number up. And frankly, the market is not sure who should be favored. I mean, Kansas City's been better than Philly, power rating-wise, for most of the year, by a little bit. 
So Kansas City opens minus one at a couple of books. And immediately the pros are like, oh, too many injuries for Kansas City. It's not just Mahomes. All these receivers going out. I'm going to bet the Eagles. So they take the Eagles plus the one. And then one very prominent book here in Vegas opens up uh, Kansas City minus two and a half. And there is a feeding frenzy. I mean, literally every 15 seconds, that line moves downward. And within 10 minutes, it has gone from Kansas City being favored to Philly being favored. Philly went up to minus two. Then they went up to minus two and a half. And minus two and a half hit. That was the stopping point. So come Monday, people are looking at it and they're like, you know what? Kansas City is the certainly more experienced team. If they're healthy, they should be the favorite. What are they doing catching two and a half? Further, the public is going to see if they ever saw Mahomes plus three, they would bet that immediately. So we're seeing money now coming back in on Kansas City, an eerily reminiscent line move to what we saw, frankly, in the AFC Conference Championship game against Cincinnati, where initially all the money was on the anti-Chiefs, then the Chiefs money came in. That's what's happening right now. This line at most books is back down to um, Philly minus one and a half. That's not fair. Uh, The Shark books minus one and a half, but there's still plenty of twos out there, including at DraftKings, where the Eagles still sit. Eagles minus two. And now this makes sense. DraftKings has more customers on the East Coast. There's going to be a regional bias. DK is going to get more Eagles betters from because of where most of their states they operate are, are in. So it would not surprise me that uh, DK will be a, have a higher number in the Eagles versus the overall overlying Vegas market. The total for the game is 49 and a half. Steve, do you have, we'll make official bets next week if we have any. Um, have you put any bets in yet? Do you have any strong feelings on it? I, I personally never like any lines that are less than three points. I don't like betting on games where the line is less than three points either way. The, the unless, unless, unless I can tease it. Well, you love dogs, and you love when the game gets decided by three and you're catching your three and a half. You know what? You got your Bengals plus three and a half. You're fat. You got your Bengals plus two. You know what that's called? That's called gambling. That's called randomness. That's called like the Price is Right game, Plinko, where the puck, do, 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 do. Does it land in Cincy by three or Kansas City by three or Kansas City by seven or Cincy by seven? You get the idea. Um so I agree that those games are oftentimes harder, unless you're teasing them up to plus eight. And by the way, let me emphasize, do not play a Super Bowl teaser. I've already seen some talking heads. Here's my Super Bowl teaser. When you play a teaser and you're teasing a total in the NFL, you will not win. You just I'm not going to go through all the math gyrations. You just are so much up against it. It is not the right thing to do. Regarding the total, I'm frustrated. I'm trying to play under 51 at a prominent book here in Vegas. I submit my bet under 51. I'm like, ah, Kansas City injuries. That's just a a bridge too far to go. The key number 51 message comes back. Line is moved. It's down to 50. I'm like, ah, I'm all aggravated. And this is very similar to the movie Wall Street where Gordon Gecko gets screwed on a stock trade. And then he's listening to the nightly news. And he finds out like one of his um, rivals beat him to the punch on buying a stock. And it's like, here's my friend Brad Powers tweeting, got three dimes under 51 against Circa. Ha ha, here's my ticket. And Brad is a college football expert. I am the NFL expert. 
he gets my NFL information. I get his college information. And here he beats me to the NFL bet. I was like Gecko slamming down like my like glass vase. I was so mad about it. That is funny. Um, so you don't really have any Super Bowl bets so far? I do not. Um, other than I did grab, I actually grabbed the Eagles plus one and a half. At, at when it was initially put up, I tried to get two and a half. I missed on that. And I took back Kansas City plus two and a half. So that doesn't do anyone any good. Um, I played I played for the middle. I think the game right now, I think the game should be very close to pick. So if I had to play a game because the Eagles are still favored, I would, I would look to the Chiefs plus two. You know what I struggle with? I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a close game. When that's the case, I have a real tough time going against Mahomes. You know what I mean? Like, we've just seen him get it done in that situation so many times. Whereas, you know, Hertz just hasn't been in that situation that many times, you know? The experience card is really huge. And I think that's a plus. You know, one thing, no one, I'm, I think I'm the only one that thinks about this. And maybe I'm just completely wrong. I like the fact that Kansas City had a little dress rehearsal for this game. Week 18, they flew out to Vegas or a desert city in the winter. And I know the game's indoors, but like we're very low humidity and they crossed the, uh, our Raiders. And now they get to fly out to Arizona, another desert city. And I know there's all the pomp and circumstance and distractions, but humidity wise, indoor game, it's, a, it's very comparable. It's a very comparable road trip. And I certainly think that, if anything, that's a positive that uh, Kansas City gets to basically duplicate that trip they took out here to Vegas in January. All right. Let's get to an email question or two, Steve. I know this is something that our listeners love, being able to pick your brain. We'll do a lot more of it this offseason. Ever wanted to ask a professional sports better a question? It's time to Ask Steve. So the email address is ross at rosstucker.com. Make sure that you put even money in the subject line so that I know it's a question for the Even Money podcast. And also take advantage of one of our sponsors at the sponsors page at rosstucker.com so that your email question goes to the top of the list. Um, Jack, why don't you read this one, actually? You have it, the first one. Can you read that, Jack? Yeah, Save me well, my yeah. voice a little bit. I would be glad to do so. All right. The first question that we have here is from Toby in San Antonio. He says, Ross, hey, bud, just a quick question. I understand why coaches defer ha- after having won the coin toss. It is so they can possibly score before halftime. Then the ball gets – then get the ball to start the third quarter and score again. I guess the data suggests this is the smart move. However, there is another argument. Football is an alternating possession game, not make it, take it. Assuming no defensive or special team touchdowns or onside kicks, which gives offense back-to-back possessions, there are only two possibilities for a total number of offense possessions for each team at the end of the game. One, both teams will have the same number of possessions. Two, one team will have one extra offensive possession. The team that gets the ball first will be the team that has a chance to the team that gets the ball first will be a team that has a chance to have an extra possession. This could be the difference in a close game. How often is an NFL game tied in number of possessions, and how often does one team have the extra possession? What do you think? So, um, Steve, I want you to chime in on this. I just want to say, 
I did an Air Force game against New Mexico this year. And New Mexico takes the ball every time they win the coin toss. And they did a 10-year study of when they got the ball first versus when they got the ball to start the third quarter. And over those 10 years, on average, they had more possessions when they got the ball first. So that's why they take the ball first. Curious to get your thoughts on it. Okay. As far as the number of possessions, it's an even sum game in that if you take the, if you have the ball first to start the first half, you're, um, you're favored by a half in terms of how many possessions you expect to have versus your opponent, but your opponent's favored by a half in the second half in terms of how many possessions they will have. You know, example, you might have four in the first half and I'm going to have four or five if I start with the ball. So there's really no advantage when it comes to that. There is the nice advantage of the two for zero where you could get the last possession of the first half and, and then the first possession of the second half where the edge is, I believe strongly is that the first series, the offense is up against it, against the defense. The defense is completely rested and anyone who watches football knows that's the most difficult possession oftentimes for a team to score. And that's why you see third quarter, third quarter totals are higher than first quarter totals, not by a lot, but by a little. And part of this is the offense can make adjustments at halftime. Defense is a little more tired. Belichick picked up on this. Belichick was the first team to always defer, always take the ball to start the third quarter. Subsequently, a lot of teams didn't really know the reasons why. They just copied Belichick because he's smarter than you and I and everyone else in the league. And pretty much everyone is deferring except for rare exceptions in the NFL, which do occur. Bengals went and took the ball several times this year. But in college, there's teams like New Mexico still that do take the ball. And I certainly think there's specifics and nuances of the college game that there could be exceptions to the rule that it does indeed make sense for some select college teams to go ahead and take the ball to start the game. Uh, Let's do one more, Jack. This next one comes from Jared, who says, Ross, love your show. Wish Fez would respond to me, but he's too cool. Hitting you up instead. Have a bet I'd like your thoughts on. Ravens over nine and a half at minus 154. Colts over nine and a half at minus 167. Eagles over nine at minus 167. Giants under seven and a half at minus 182. Titans under 10 at minus 182. Parlayed together, they go for plus 914. Boosted together, they may go to plus 1,000. Looking at their schedules, only two zero-sum games. Colts versus Eagles, Titans versus Giants. There are seven games, though, where an over plays an under. Giants versus Colts, Titans versus Colts twice, Titans versus Eagles, Giants versus Eagles twice, Giants versus Ravens. Of the bets I like, I went through all the schedules and keeping five bets, two zero-sum games was the best I could come up with. I think this is huge value being able to parlay these outcomes. Was hoping to hear your thoughts. Appreciate your time. Sincerely, a sad Australian Browns fan. Well, there's a lot to stomach there. I probably could write like an entire book. Let me address it. I don't like parlaying the season win well first off if you're going to parlay them you got to make sure the book gives you true odds and doesn't shave you down based upon what a a pricing adjustment for correlation so if you get the actual true odds ideally you'd like to have a anti-correlation so like if two teams in a division you like to play one over and one under most books don't allow that in terms of the parlays um i do think that you're um, you're going to do better shopping each and every bet instead of trying to put them into a parlay because you're going to get the better number 
at different books. And we take the best number available at each and every book. So when you're playing all these um, different teams, I would stick to straight bets and I would be an avid shopper across the board. The difference between different books, look at the Eagles this past year. You could have gotten the Eagles over nine at one point. They closed 10. There was enormous differences in the marketplace in terms of the number that you could have gotten on the Philadelphia Eagles. And ultimately, you know, this is a case where the wise guys were spot on right on the Eagles. No team other than the Saints, I think, took more money than the Eagles. And that number turned all that movement turned out to be correct as the Eagles did win 14 games. Check him out on social media at Fezzik Sports. I am at Ross Tucker NFL. Other than that, good luck, everybody. Hope you guys win some money. Thanks for listening to the Even Money Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.